The League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas present Tall City Elections. Here are your hosts, Abby Wiggum and Trish Spate. Welcome to another episode of Tall City Elections. I'm Abby, and with me is... I'm Trish. And... And my name is Kat Chandler. So this is a program that's dedicated to providing information about the upcoming local elections for our community as we make it accessible to our listeners who are visually impaired. The Tall City Elections 2019 podcast is a collaboration between the Recording Library of West Texas and the League of Women's Voters. We want to thank all of our supporters for helping us make this possible. We have Kat Chandler in here in the studio with us, and she is running for District 3 for City Council. Is that correct? That is correct. Well, we're so glad that you're joining us today. Well, thank you so much, Abby. Um, well, let's start out with some of the basic questions, like, who are you? <laughs> um, what, what's your background? How long have you been in Midland, and why are you running? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much to the Recording Library for bringing me in for this interview. My name is Kat Chandler, or Catherine Chandler. I go by both. And I am a licensed attorney here in Midland. I'm a lifelong Midlander. I grew up here, uh, went to high school here, graduated as valedictorian from Trinity School in 1999, went away to college and to law school, Texas Tech. And uh, I returned to Midland, Odessa, and I've spent my entire career practicing in the Permian Basin. So what year was it that you came back to Midland? I moved back. I moved to Odessa in 2006, and then I moved back to Midland in about 2008. And you're an attorney. I'm an attorney. What kind of law do you do? Well, I have practiced several different types of law. I started my legal career with Legal Aid of Northwest Texas in Odessa, practicing mostly family law, but representing uh, lower income clients for free. And after that, I prosecuted Class C misdemeanors and city ordinance violations for the city of Midland as an assistant city attorney. I spent about six years doing that. Since then, I have worked in the oil and gas industry for about four years. And I also spent some time collecting delinquent property taxes and advising clients that are taxing entities, so cities and counties and school districts, about things like setting the tax rate and appraisal of properties and about the Open Meetings Act and the Open Records Act. Cool. So you already have a little experience with city council. I do. I do have experience working with cities uh, and advising cities. Hmm. So how long have you lived in District 3? I have lived in District 3 twice now. Most recently, I have been in District 3 for about two and a half years. My husband and I live near the Museum of the Southwest and love our neighborhood. I lived out of District 3 for about Three years. I lived up north of town, but before that, I lived on Spark Street uh, near Garfield and Golf Course. And I lived in that house for about, I think I owned that house for about six or seven years. Okay. So you're fairly familiar with the district. (laughs) I'm very familiar with the district. It's my favorite part of Midland. I love old Midland. I love the old houses and creaky wooden floors Mm -hmm. and neighborhoods with lots of trees. Yes. Yeah. They do. And they have some good parks there too. Absolutely. So what are some concerns or issues that you see in District 3 that you would want to address if you were elected? Well, I think that some of the issues that that I see are are issues that affect all of Midland. And one of those is certainly our infrastructure. And I know that that is a big issue for a lot of people. And it's an issue that has gotten a lot of speaking time, but it is a very important issue. And to me, it's an issue that's directly tied to our housing issue as well. And I think that the if we address, if we can start addressing our infrastructure issues, that that will encourage developers to move in and to continue to 
build, construct houses, construct multifamily housing and single family housing to help us take care of the housing, the housing shortage. And so one of the things that I would like to see is I would like to see the city get on a rolling five-year plan to address infrastructure, maintenance, construction, um, and installation. Is that something that you've learned when you've been advising other cities? Is that like a about not reinventing the wheel? Is that a procedure that's worked before? I don't know for sure. That's not something I have spoken with my previous clients about. That's not an, an issue I would have advised them about. However, I think that that speaking to other cities about what has worked for them and not reinventing the wheel is very important. There's no need for us to try plans that may or may not work when we can look to other cities and and talk to them and see what has worked for them and what hasn't worked for them and then evaluate all of that data and determine why those solutions worked or haven't haven't worked and then apply them to our situation. So housing, there's five of y'all running in District 3. And so, and we've also interviewed the candidates for mayor and housing is a prominent issue. How do you feel about the whole, and I believe there was an editorial in the paper about you know, the city shouldn't be in the housing business or well, I don't know if it was really put that way. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist. Um, how do you feel about that? Sure. Well, so I definitely think that the role of the city in the housing crisis is to address the infrastructure so that we can attract private industry to come and build housing. And then I also think that the city should be regulating land use through ordinances and that we should be making our ordinances as straightforward as we can so that they're easy for people to understand, to read and understand and comply with. Uh, And then also that that makes them easier to enforce so that if we have somebody who is uh, who is not complying with our city ordinances, then we can uh, we can go in and enforce them. As a prosecutor, I had difficulty sometimes with our ordinances in that, first of all, people didn't understand what they can and can't do. And that's an issue if they don't know what the law even is. And then second, if there were so many exceptions or if the law, if the ordinance was written in such a convoluted way that nobody could understand what it meant or what it was intended for, then it was very difficult to enforce. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the people who we have coming in for the interviews, they they mention, like she said, housing, Mm -hmm. um, infrastructure, like you're talking about. What are you proposing that is different than what they are? Sure. I think that I definitely stand apart from the other candidates in that I have the experience working with cities and working for the city of Midland. In fact, I've been a city employee. I've worked for the the city attorney's office and I have uh, worked with these ordinances on a day to day basis, um, working on the other side of them. So I think that that gives me particular insight into um, what the council could do to make it easier for the citizens to understand the ordinances, for the developers to know what the ordinances are, are intended for and then also for prosecutors to to enforce and code enforcement to enforce those ordinances. If you could change one thing in our zoning code, what would it be? I think I would simplify it and make it easier to read. I know that zoning is a complicated issue, and that's not to say that we shouldn't have zoning and that we shouldn't use zoning to regulate. We absolutely should. But I think that our ordinances can be in a, written in a more straightforward and clear manner. Do you feel like housing is your top priority and zoning and making it easier for housing to be built? Is that your top priority? I really think that infrastructure is is my top priority, but I think that that dovetails with housing so closely and is is such a is so necessary. Addressing the infrastructure is so necessary to address the housing. 
I think that by addressing infrastructure issues and having plans and maintaining our infrastructure, that we are, first of all, saving money in the long run. We're not having to do expensive repairs. And then we're also able to provide the roads and the sewer lines and the water lines that the developers need in order to begin to to address our, our housing issue. What do you think about the streets in District 3? Do you think they need work? Well, I think the streets all over town probably need work. Uh, I yes. definitely commend. I definitely commend our city staff, though, as far as doing the best they can with what they have. I personally love to go online and report potholes because the next day I drive by and they're filled. And so, kudos to our city staff who are uh, working hard every day and making our city a better place to live. Yeah, definitely, I've experienced that before too. There's some areas with lo- with water that the mm-hmm. water always collects right. there, and that's always the pothole. And I'm the old lady that calls, right. and also streetlights. Like they yes. will come replace my streetlight. Although Correct. I guess some people shoot them out again. <laughs> so let's go on another. Since we a lot of our listeners have concerns about public transportation, sure. So. We have Easy Rider, but there are some inefficiencies involved with that that we hear about. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that makes it hard for people who rely on it to get to work on time or it takes a really long time. And then there's some safety issues with the bus stops that there's no benches or covering for weather and that kind of thing. If you're elected, do you think that that's something that you would want to spend your time on looking into? I think it's definitely something that needs to be looked into. I know that we have a board, and I hope that folks are bringing these issues up to the Motran board um, that governs the Easy Rider routes. I do think that as we have uh, more and more, as our population continues to increase, which we know that our population continues to increase even during times when the energy industry is slowing down, like it is a little bit right now, um, we know that our population continues to increase. So people are not moving away. But I and I think as that continues to happen, that we will have more people needing to use public transportation to alleviate some of the traffic issues. And so I think that those are very important issues. I do think that as we have more people use it that it the routes will probably improve however those are certainly issues that need to be looked at right now for the people who are using who are relying on that public transportation and i do hope that people will take it to you know air their concerns with the city council and discuss it with their city councilors and then also take them to the take those concerns to the motran board we can stick on transportation for a bit we talked about roads and um do you see it as, do you feel like that there's enough options? And as far as public transportation goes, and I'm going to throw out a couple of ideas that we've talked about because of lack of bus drivers or there's just not enough buses or they're slow or they don't run on time. Would you consider like a public-private kind of partnership like with taxi cabs or Ubers to give people with disabilities some sort of options? Like, um, And I mentioned it because there was a few years ago a lady told me that she used to be able to go to the police department and get a voucher for a taxi to take her to her doctor's appointments. And I guess when Easy Rider came in, those went away. So there's not really a system like that. But how and, and then that just dovetails. How do you feel about public and private or city partnerships to solve problems? I think public-private partnership is always a good option to consider. I think we do 
in the case of public partner, if we're looking at a project that we're wanting to partner with a with a private entity, that we do need to make sure that we're considering what are the long term effects for the city and what is this going to cost the city in the future and is that sustainable. However, in general, I think that we have a lot of really great community partners here in here in Midland. I work for Concho Resources, and I know that Concho is an excellent community partner. It's a company I'm really proud to work for because they do uh, partner with the city. Um, they do so much for our community. Um, and so I think always think that public partner, public private partnership is an excellent option um, that can be considered for, for, uh, to, for solutions. How do you plan to involve residents in the decision-making process in Midland? Accessibility to the council is something that's very important to me. As somebody who is employed full time, I am not able to attend council meetings at 10 Mm -hmm. o'clock on Tuesday mornings. And I think that it's very important that at least some council meetings be held after after five o'clock. I think it's imperative that we hold tax rate hearings, that we have council hearings, that we just hold public hearings after hours when the majority of people are off work. And I know that every schedule is not going to work for everybody. However, most people in town work until about five. And so I think that we can't ask people to come to council and be involved if they don't, if they're having to take off work and people need their jobs for their livelihoods and can't just leave work in the middle of the day for that. So I think that that's one of the ways to involve people. I think just being open and being accessible and being out in the community as well and being approachable to people um, and and being willing to listen to concerns and take those concerns to the city council. Full disclosure, I've emailed my city council person before, (laughs) mostly because I really wanted a traffic light. Did it work? Uh, eventually excellent <laughs> eventually i think i think i was uh, like the fourth person in line with that for that day right uh, you know because when you know when there's a problem at the end of your street there's a problem right. so if you could receive one million dollars as a grant to use for the city in any way you wanted what would you do with it and why hmm that is a good question. Or maybe just your district. We could, we could start with that. Sure. A million dollars. <laughs> Free Wi-Fi for everyone. Does that concept appeal? Or how do you feel about the parks? I mean, there's a lot of issues that could use the money. Absolutely. The parks, uh, and I don't get me wrong, I absolutely love, I, I do love parks. I can see Dennis Amena's Park from my front yard, and that park is packed from sunup to sundown. I bet. There are yeah. children out there all the time, and that is a really lovely thing to see. I do know that coming up that the oil and gas royalties that the city should be receiving in the next couple of years that the current council has intended for those to go toward the parks. And I think that that's a really great idea uh, as far as making sure that we're doing upkeep and maintenance and um, improving our parks. Still thinking about that. I'm still thinking about the million dollars. (laughs) And part of the issue is that in a city, a million dollars really doesn't go very far, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. So... Well, I'll throw out another thing, okay. uh, another suggestion while you're thinking about the million dollars. I know one of the mayoral candidates has mentioned, and it, it would be important to our mm-hmm. listeners, about a new uh, about building a new senior center. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's a priority project or is that 
something that you would put on the back burner for a while? I think that a new senior center is important. Absolutely. I think that it's important that as our population ages, that people have a safe place to go and engage with other people. I, uh, I have my grandparents. I wish that they would go visit the senior center. (laughs) Yeah. I think part of, I think one of the reasons that people don't like Mm -hmm. I my mom too, she's Mm -hmm. in her eighties. It's just, it's just sort of like, where is it? Mm -hmm. Um, there's two, there's the one at the old mall. I Mm -hmm. I call it the old mall. And then the the one on the, over at Washington park. Mm -hmm. And I think the one at Washington park actually gets moved. It's smaller and it's sort of a neighborhood feel Mm -hmm. to it. But as far as the other one goes, I know they offer a lot of services. They're always doing like, I can go around and get your flu shot and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. So I guess they were talking about building one maybe on the North side Mm -hmm. or I I don't know how much that would cost. I don't, I haven't looked at the plan or anything, but I know that that's something that, seniors would be interested in. Sure. And I do think that the a, a new senior center would be a great opportunity for a public-private partnership. I think that if one of uh, one or more of our companies in town would, would step up and, and help with that, that would be a really great Hey, Concho. Thing. Hey, Concho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it would be. I know that there's a lot of enrichment that goes on there. And healthcare. I mean, mm-hmm. sort of they'll have different health fairs and, and things um, that could help out some people who go there for other things, you know, sort of one-stop shop. Right. And play some dominoes. Right. What what are your thoughts about recycling and sanitation here? Would you make any improvements if you were elected? The recycling issue is one that's very near and dear to my heart. It is a very complicated international issue right now Mm -hmm. uh, because the commodities market for recycling is so low that it we would have to pay somebody to take our recycling. So for me, it, right now, I would really encourage every citizen to do more reducing and reusing of everything so that we're not having to throw as much away. But once the commodities market comes up, absolutely, I would. I think it's imperative that we expand the recycling program again. I think that we had programs in schools regarding recycling and then Unfortunately, had to take all of the city mm-hmm. had to take all of the the recycling bins away from the schools, and it's 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 hard to do now. People have to drive across town, and you have to haul all your stuff across town, and you have to make sure you're there when they're open. So, expanding recycling program is very important, especially especially once the commodities market comes up. Right now, I think it's a it's a difficult issue because there's no place for the recycling to go. So, again, I, I encourage reduction and and reusing of things uh, instead of relying on the recycling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think that our sanitation department um, does a really great job with, again, with what they have. I know that the city struggles with, um, with retention and, and recruitment of staff and that's the market that we're in right now. And that's always, I think, going to be a problem here. I think it's important that we continue to invest in our city employees and train them and, make them feel value like valued employees so that they will stay with us. And that's certainly cheaper in the long run than continuing to have to hire new people and train them. Mm-hmm. And that sort of goes into the, the city employees that everybody is most noticeable, your trash man and your policeman. So let's talk about the police shortage. Sure. And fire. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. There's some shortages there. Do you think that that will take care of itself with housing? Or do you think that the city needs to look at some other options? 
I think that our fire chief and our police chief are doing a commendable job right now of of beginning to address those issues and that they have already reduced the shortage some and they're they're using some creative scheduling options for fire the firefighters so that that we we do have some firefighters who do not live in Midland but that with their scheduling they can go back home for 4 days and then come back and be on duty for 2 days and stay at the firehouse they're also the city has also implemented some retention bonuses and some education and, and training bonuses for uh, degree bonuses for firefighters and, and police officers who get their degrees. And so I think that our, um, again, I think our police chief and our and our fire chief are doing a very commendable job of, of beginning to address those issues. Some of the issues will have to be addressed by the market with the housing. And when the cost of housing, with the supply of housing goes up and the cost of housing comes down, I think that we'll have less trouble recruiting police officers and firefighters. Do you think we I mean, I think uh, there's been some salary talk about upping the starting salary at 60000 now, I believe. Mm-hmm. And one of the other candidates told us what Plano is the highest starting salary in Texas. What did he say? 70000 Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. hearsay. I'm just repeating what another right. candidate. Yeah, so well, cite your sources. For mayor. <laughs> he was he's run, not running in your district. He was running for mayor. <laughs> So do you do you think that they that the city should look at maybe raising that starting salary a little bit more even because the cost of living is so high? I would be more in favor I think of retention bonuses and raises uh after a certain period of time, I think, so to ensure that we're ret- that we're retaining the officers that we're paying to train. And and that really goes for for all city employees that I'm I am very much in favor of of retention benefits so that we keep those employees in the long run. Again, that's so much cheaper and more cost effective. And then we end up with better trained, more qualified employees working for the city. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Another uh, thing was, I guess, another candidate had mentioned like um, requiring, was it apartment, like maybe to hold two units back just for civil servants that got to, you know, give them a break on the rent. I mean, are those kind of ideas, do you think, just sort of a Band-Aid or is that like a realistic expectation? Personally, I think that's meddling in the private market a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know that when I was a city prosecutor and, and worked daily with the police officers and had a lot of discussions with them, that a lot of them had that that type of arrangement with their, their apartment complex that they worked some off-duty hours there and, and were this, the off-hour security guard, I guess, um, and then they were able to live there at a discounted rate or for free. I don't know exactly what their arrangement was. So I think that in the private market, I think some of that is already going on. Um, but I don't think that the city has any place telling an apartment complex that they have to reserve apartments for certain people. Sure. Okay. So what are some of your favorite places to hang out in Midland? Like, where are they? What do you like to do? What do you like about the city? There are so many things that I like about Midlands. And I grew up here, so it has been interesting to see Midland grow. But I am an outdoors person. So the I-20 Wildlife Preserve is one of my absolute favorite places. I love Sibley Nature Center. I love to go walk out on their trails. Um, And I really love walking around my neighborhood uh, near the Museum of the Southwest. I walk my dogs with my husband every morning at 5.15 in the morning. And it's just, it's beautiful and it's quiet and 
You get to enjoy those trees. It. Yes, I those get to enjoy the, the trees. on the north side, not so much. And the morning <laughs> times time, right now, the-, the morning times right now are so nice. Yes. So, not too cold. Yep. Let's go back to public safety. Okay. Public safety in our recent mass shooting event, did that give you any pause or thoughts about when you were running for city council about things that that could be done in the interest of public safety? Do you have any ideas, communication or laws about, um, you know, universal background checks or anything like that? Do you have an opinion or even if you don't have an opinion or you, that's a personal opinion, you don't think it's a city thing. Um, is there something that the city could do better in respect to public safety? But I mean, Obviously, we could have more police officers. Sure, sure, sure. Having more police officers. I think that having the police officers take their vehicles home is very helpful. I think that that creates a, a more visibility uh, for the police department. And I think that communication probably would be what I would what I would improve more. And, and communication from the city to the citizens as far as an alert system, Maybe that alerts in several different ways through this kind of an Amber Alert type such thing through the cell phone, mm-hmm. through your cell phones, um, you know, through the radio. But I think improving communication from the public safety hub to, out to the citizens is probably where I would where I would improve. Okay. Do you have any other um, issues that you have been brought up or that you think maybe you have an innovative idea or that you would like to share? Well, maybe that's what I want to use my million dollars for <laughs> is to improve the communication from the, that's a good idea from the, from, you know, from our public safety center out to the community. Um, I believe the city council was going to look at f- like free Wi-Fi in the parks. I have heard that. Yeah. That, that would that be something you would be interested in? I think that they have installed or they have voted on for, on wi- installing Wi-Fi in two of the parks, I believe. Right. And installing, I, I probably would be more in favor of installing a kind of a, there, there are some options to install a citywide Wi-Fi system. It Im- would Im- help improve communication for, for police and fire, city but it would also yeah. for city employees, right? For all city employees, in fact, but it would also um, allow people, could, people, it could serve as a utility. So it could serve as a way for the city to, to fund the, the program in that you could charge people to have the access to this, to this Wi-Fi and they would be in able houses, to log into yeah, it. In their right. houses. It, well, and also when they're out on their cell phone, yeah. um, you know, you could, you would be able to, to have an account and, and pay a monthly fee and then you would be able to log in to the Wi-Fi anywhere you are and you're not having to use the data on your phone. Um, but you also have the public safety component and the, you know, and the efficiency for the city component. So that's certainly something I'm, that I'm in favor of. Cool. And you figured out how, do you, how you would use the million dollars. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's what we're going to put it toward. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Anything about just your heart and your vision for Midland or also if you want to provide contact information, how can they learn more about you or your campaign? Absolutely. So again, my name is Catherine or Kat Chandler, and you can find me at chandlerformidland.com or on Facebook at Catherine Chandler for Midland. And all of my other contact and email address and telephone number are accessible through the website. But something that I think is really important is that in January, we're going to have half of our council roll off and we're going to have a new freshman class of at least three city councilors and maybe perhaps a new mayor. We don't know what's going to happen yet. 
So I think it's really important that people consider the candidates and consider the qualifications and the experience of those candidates. We have the, there is the possibility that progress that this current council is making could be completely derailed by a, a steep learning curve um, with brand new people who have who don't have experience being on the council. And so I I think that I bring valuable experience and qualifications, um, having worked for a city, having worked with cities. And I think that I think that Midland needs that. I think that that's really important to um, continue the work and to make sure that we're making Midland the best that it can be. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here on the show. Sure. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us for Tall City Elections, a presentation of the League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas.